You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm going to start with a question for you. Do you speak Yehuda or Yosef? That's right. Do you speak Yehuda or Yosef? Obviously, those of you following the Parsha will key into the fact that Yosef and Yehuda are the main protagonists of the last four parshiot, the last four section in the Torah reading. And what I'm trying to draw attention to by asking this question is whether, in fact, Yehuda and Yosef, who engage with each other in a number of ways, in a number of situations, are speaking the same language. In fact, the Midrash about the about last week's Parsha, when Yosef uh, is met confrontationally by Yehuda, telling him that he must back down his demand that Benjamin stay in prison while the other brothers go down to their father. That discussion is met with a, a complete um, a complete giving in by Yosef. And one wonders whether the level of communication between the two brothers was in fact, on a level that they understood each other completely. Now, I'm not talking about Yosef originally speaking Egyptian and Yehuda originally speaking Hebrew. But let's explore that for a second. Let's go to languages because I want to illustrate what I'm speaking about by speaking about bilingualism. Now, some of you know that I grew up in a bilingual home. My first tongue, my native tongue, was actually French. And I learned English fairly quickly as I started kindergarten, nursery school, even before then, in the United States where I was born. Um, I'm essentially fluent in both languages. In fact, I'm fluent also in Hebrew, which you can, I assume, expect. For a rabbi, it would be it's a good thing to be fluent in Hebrew. Um, my German's not bad, and I'm learning Arabic as well. But that's all besides the point. What I want to ask about, for those of you who are experienced in speaking two languages on a very high level of proficiency, that which we call bilingualism, is whether, in fact, a person can be totally and completely bilingual. Or, to put it a different way, can a person be completely and totally bicultural? Can a person be completely Arab, for, to, for as an example, um, and English as another example, or whatever two cultures you want to take, um, trying to pick cultures that are far removed so that it's not simply a question of shifting over borders. Can a person completely be at home, in the way they think in both of these cultures, assuming that there is a wide gap in the cultures, 
that uh, that exist. And I'm asking that about Yehuda and Yosef, but I think it's a question that's of more general interest. What I mean by that, today in class, I was asked by a student as we were giving different explanations of different commentaries on a certain section in the book of Numbers, in the book of Bamidbar, uh, who's right? Is one Parshan right or the other Parshan right? So I went into one of my famous deliveries about the concept of Elu ve'elu divrei Elohim ha'im, that in fact, Judaism recognizes multiple truths. And granted, there's a, it's a large, large, large discussion, something I've discussed, as I said, in other places, more in writing than in, in what's recorded as far as I remember, though I've spoken about it many times in sessions that are not, have not been recorded to the best of my knowledge. Uh, nonetheless, in spite of the fact that my understanding is that Judaism clearly, without a doubt, recognizes this notion of multiple truths, um, that Yehuda and Yosef, for example, can both be right. Certainly in the example that is taken from the Gemara in Eruvin, we're talking about Beit Hillel and Beit Shammai, that both of them are speaking the words of God. And therefore, the easiest way to understand if they're the words of God, they're true words, and yet they're contradictory words. The question is, to what extent the human mind can grasp what appears to be a contradiction, which is in fact a paradox, as two truths. Can one conceive at the same time of a certain concept as viewed from one culture, as one, at, at the same time as one sees it as viewed from another culture. Certainly in terms of vision, in terms of hearing, or speech, I should say, um, that is impossible. I illustrate the idea with the Midrash. The Midrash says that when God spoke some of the Ten Commandments, specifically the commandment about Shamor Vizachor, about remembering and guarding, or actually guarding and remembering the Shabbat, uh, that was spoken at one time. Both of those words were spoken at one time. Now, a person clearly cannot speak two words. Forget about two languages. A person cannot speak two different words. Granted, one can speak a word within a word, right? The notion of Shem Shmuel, that we say the word Shmuel. You've also said the, the word Shem because it begins the word Shmuel, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, can you say Zachor and Shamor at the same time? The answer is clearly not. A person cannot do that. And likewise, a person cannot see something from, uh, in, in, with, with natural eyesight, I'm not talking about um, computers and, and uh, that, that enhance our vision to see from different angles, but in terms of natural eyesight, Again, without mirrors, um, a person can only see the front of a situation, can't see the front and the back at the same time with normal human vision. So we can't speak two things at once, and we can't see two things at once. 
my understanding is that we can't completely conceive of two things at once. And that has applications to language. But more importantly, that comes back to the student's question. Who's right? Meaning it's extremely difficult for us to appreciate the notion that both of the commentaries in a specific situation might be right. And with a caveat, of course, that uh, doesn't mean that two conflicting opinions always are both right in Judaism, uh, which sometimes gets expressed. Clearly, I think that that's not the case. However, the question is, can there be uh, mutual truths that contradict each other that we can understand one as well as the other? My contention is that there is not. And I think that that's the tragedy, the natural tragedy, uh, which we see in the Yosef Yehuda story, and it's tragedies we see throughout Jewish history, and it's not just Jewish history, but I would venture to say part of the human condition. And God has made us this way um, for his reasons, which we can only try to fathom, um, and it, 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 certainly in, in the way we understand humanity and our thinking uh, one would think that entertaining multiple truths as a constant type of situation would be extremely confusing for us, um, which I think may be the crux of the reason for the reason God made us the way he did in terms of this particular issue. But let's go back to the Parsha for just a minute or two. So here we have Yosef and Yehuda speaking to each other and seemingly speaking past each other. What I want to say is that that's not because they're not trying hard enough. It's simply that they see the world in very different ways. As a person who speaks one language from one culture, as I started with, speaking Yehuda would see the world one way, and a person coming from another culture, from a, a totally different language, would conceptualize the world in the language of Yosef in a completely different way. And that's had ramifications, as I said, throughout Jewish history. There was a very short period of time where there was a united monarchy. Most of the time, one of the kingdoms was led by an heir of Judah, of Yehuda, and one was led by an heir most of the time of Yosef, specifically of Ephraim, though the monarchy moved around from one group to another. This is something to ponder. More than pondering, what I want to leave you with is the idea that if Judaism espouses the idea or uh, lets us be aware of the fact that we see we're, we see things from one perspective, limiting, limiting us to see as well from another perspective, it allows us to understand that a lot of conflict comes from inability to put ourselves in the other's shoes. Um, and the fact is that that's a real limitation. and There's nothing we can do about that limitation the same way that we can't see backwards and forwards at the same time, the same way that we can't say two words that are different at the same time, in the same way, as I said before, that one cannot be completely bilingual 
so that it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever uh, to one whether one integrates in one language or the other. That realization that such limitation is an issue of humanity or specifically of specific humans, of specific individuals that we're all limited by the way we think should open us up to the notion, to the humility that there is and there often are legitimate other sides that we will not understand. And that's the key, to accept that there are other perspectives, certainly amongst our own group, um, but even between our group and other groups that we simply are limited from understanding. That humility should open us up to accepting the right and the natural inclination of other groups to see things differently than we do and not necessarily be wrong. I think it's an important point. I think that's what the end of Breshit comes to reinforce. If you want to hear, if you want to know more about this idea. In- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.